This morning we're going to continue in our series on be fearless, on be fearless. And what did Jesus say more than any other statement that he made? There's one statement that he made more than any other statement by far and away. And it was this, it says, don't fear, don't be afraid. So Jesus this morning, he's very concerned, very concerned about our fears. And he takes our fears very seriously. And that's why we wanted to stop for four weeks and pause and talk about a series on be fearless here. So we're going to be looking at a passage of scripture in Mark chapter 6, verse 45 through verse 52 here. And what we're going to find is, is how his followers are negotiating their fears in the midst of a storm there. So we're going to unpack that story. And there's some tremendous application and some, just some tremendous things we're going to learn about God himself here. And so his followers find themselves in the middle of a storm. And so I think that storms in the Bible speak of adversity and hardship that we tend to deal with here. And storms really, they touch every single part of our lives here. And so the story takes place on the Sea of Galilee. Maybe you've heard about it. I think it's a pretty, you know, well-known story. I mean, uh, uh, that in the, in the, um, the previous story of the feeding of the 5,000. I mean, if you've been to church, if you've driven by church, if you played on a, on a softball team at church, you probably heard about the stories. You probably heard some colorful language too, playing softball. But uh, anyway, so what we're going to do this morning is uh, rather than my trying to paint a picture of what it was like, you know, and how intense the storm was and all that, um, I'm gonna, we're going to do something a little different. Uh, we're going to borrow a video from YouTube. And YouTube has a video of the Sea of Galilee showing the wind on the Sea of Galilee. So you can just see for yourself. And then when we're reading the story, you can see where they were actually at and what the wind was like and what they were dealing with. So let's fire up this video. It's just about 30 seconds. Check it out. So that's where the story takes place right there. So I'd like you to imagine yourself what it would be like to be in a boat, you know, muscling and with oars in your hands. It says this, it says immediately after this, Jesus insists so immediately after what? Immediately after the feeding of the 5,000 there. And so immediately after that miraculous story, that profound and popular miracle where everybody's getting a free lunch there, and it's like, now we're talking, you know, and people are like, yes, we want to follow Jesus because we get free food here, and everybody wants to follow. Jesus says, okay, we need to, says to his followers, we need to go across the lake there, get a little reprieve from the crowds and all here. So it says immediately after this, notice it says, Jesus insisted in other words, uh, he was almost having to compel them or force them to go. And so uh, Jesus is saying, like, look, you've got to go to the other side of the lake here. And so Jesus directs them then to go to a place that they would encounter a life-threatening storm. 
Think about that. Jesus spoke to them, and because of what Jesus said, and they were just following him and being obedient to him, they were going to encounter a life-threatening storm because they were being obedient. Jesus didn't say, hey, we're going to go to the middle of the lake and we're going to drown. He said, he gave them direct, explicit directions there, was very specific about the destination. You are going to go to Bethsaida. You're not going to go halfway and end your life here. And so you're not going to get pounded by the waves such that you die. So I'd like to just say a few things about storms. And the first one is this, which you know, is that storms of life, hard times, difficult situations that we get into, they're inescapable. We have no option how we're going to deal with storms, only how we're going to react in the storm. And that's what I want to talk about here. The Bible says that it rains on the just and the unjust. It doesn't matter, you know, your relationship before God, whether you're his follower or not. There is going to be difficult situations on everyone. And so all of us then have experienced these life altering storms. Some of them are are a result of our own actions, that you're facing the storm because you were like an idiot. It is 100% your fault that you're entering into that storm here. Direct result of our own actions where our sin leads us into the storm. At other times, uh, it can be a life-altering storm because someone else drags us into the storm. Maybe it's by association there. Maybe it's, you know, a parent or a child or a husband, a wife, a family member, a friend. But you get dragged into it because of your affiliation, your association with them. The Bible puts it this way in Proverbs that they that walk with wise shall be wise. But the companion of fools is going to suffer eventually much harm. And so some of us find ourselves experiencing these storms that are like emotional in nature. Others, it's relational in nature. Perhaps it's marital, family, health, maybe addiction. So there are those storms that they're very public and everyone knows about it. And you tell all your Facebook friends, but then there's other storms that are private I think they get overlooked. I'm talking about private storms that nobody knows about, but that you experience the heartache and there are tears on your pillow because of the private storms that you endure. And so there, there are storms that we sin our way into, and then there's a storm here where God actually sent them into the storm here. And so now this storm, it's interesting that these men that are here, God told them to go there, and that, that's why they ended up in the middle of the storm. Think about it. They could have disobeyed and stayed on the shore and not engaged in the storm. And so... Uh, but what I want us to see here in your notes is this, is that God's intention, it's bigger than your storm. It's bigger than that. And so, see, all we see during a storm is the storm. And we want out of the storm. We want out of the pain and the discomfort. And we pray that God will just help us and deliver us out of the storm. We don't actually see perhaps that God is at work behind the, the wind and the waves there and what he's doing here. And so... Um, so we don't always are mindful of perhaps there's a lesson that God is trying to teach me in the middle of this storm here. So verse 46 says this, after telling everyone goodbye, he went up into the hills by himself 
to pray. Now, when Jesus was, was from a distance there, he could clearly see them. Though he's up on a hill, he can see into the Sea of Galilee, and it appears, it appears that Jesus is uninvolved. That he's there in the heavenlies, that he's unavailable, he's detached, he's distant from his disciples who are going to engage and enter into this massive, horrific storm. And so in your notes, it says, when you're going through a storm, God is not distant or uninvolved. Jesus knew exactly what they were encountering and everything that they were going to encounter there. So verse 47. And by the way, Jesus prays for us in the storm there. Verse 47. Late that night, the disciples were in the boat in the middle of the lake. Jesus was alone (coughs) on the land. So Jesus is nowhere in sight. They're just left to fend for themselves there. And the feeling could be this. The feeling could be that, has God abandoned us? Have you ever felt that way in the midst of your storm, that God has, God has abandoned you? They, they couldn't see him. They had no idea where he was there. And so you may not see God in the storm, but God can see you. Jesus could see them, though he, they could not see him. Verse 48, Jesus knows about our storms. He saw... He saw that they were in serious trouble, rowing hard and struggling against the wind and the waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them, walking on the water, and he tended to go past them. And so he saw them. And what I want us to see is this, is that he saw them. And this gives insight into what really God is like here, gives insight. Because Jesus, watch, Jesus draws near to them during their storm. That's what God is like here. And so they're under unbelievable stress. They're in desperation mode. They're hitting the panic button there. And so Jesus sends his disciples into a storm. And when he sees them begin to strain and to struggle in the midst of the storm, he comes to them. And I say this because sometimes when you're experiencing a storm, you feel like no one else knows. Maybe it's one of those personal storms, and then you feel like nobody else knows. But here this shows us that Jesus sees and Jesus knows everything about your storm. The professional sailors there, some of them, they're white-knuckling it and all, and they're, they're making little progress. And so there's going to be times in our lives where we're facing storms and you feel like you're just not making any progress. There's going to be times like with them where they felt like they're absolutely at the end of their own resource. They've exhausted everything that they know how to do. They were actually there. Imagine what you saw uh, on that storm. They were fighting that for eight hours. Could you imagine in that storm, eight hours fighting against that storm? So they're helpless. They're in desperation mode. The Bible says they're rowing hard and struggling against the wind. Now think about that. God told them to go into the boat, send them to Bethsaida and watch. They're struggling against the wind. What would God do that in your life? Do you ever feel like you're struggling against the wind and surely God's not with you? Right? How could God be with you when you're so struggling against the wind of circumstances? Okay? They're straining and struggling against the wind. 
I would think, you know, that if God is for me, God is behind me, God has sent me somewhere, I would feel the wind at my back. I would feel, you know, the wind of his blessing and the wind of his helping me and strengthening me. But nothing, but that was not true. The wind here, they're following the word of the Lord. They're obeying God, and yet they're facing this intense, horrific uh, wind coming against them. And I just wonder if God had a purpose in the wind. I just wonder maybe some of the wind that you perhaps are straining against this morning. Maybe it's, you know, a relational wind or marital wind or financial wind or what it circumstantial wind, whatever your wind is, but you just a health wind. You feel like, you know, I just feel like the wind is always against me. How could God be for me? And here God was for them, but the wind was against them. And here Jesus is leading them to go forward into a storm, knowing that the wind was going to be against them. I just wonder how often we assume that God, if God is leading me, that certainly God would work with me. Because it seems like he's not working with them. Seems like God is working against them. And yet God was for them. So in your notes there, God is still for you even when the wind of circumstances is against you. So you've also seen that in, in your notes there that uh, Jesus in the boat does not mean it's going to be like in our boat, smooth sailing. It can be very difficult. In fact, the Bible says that Everyone that wants to follow, wants to be a Christ follower, all they that live godly in Christ Jesus, they're going to end up suffering. You're going to suffer persecution. The Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 19, if any man suffer according to the will of God, let him do so by the committing of his soul unto him in well-doing as unto a faithful creator. So sometimes the wind is just like against you here. And so uh, they, they, uh, they needed to be encouraged to discover something in the wind. And that's why I think the wind, uh, one of the reasons why the wind was against them. And we're going to find that out in just a few minutes here. And so the wind was against them because they obeyed Jesus' words. What they were going to discover soon is that Jesus was the great I am, and that they looked to him in the midst of the wind, and I really wonder if they would have looked to him if they hadn't been facing that wind. So obedience, last point there in your notes, can lead you straight into a storm. Obedience can lead you straight into a storm. So verse 49, but when they saw him walking on the water, they cried out in terror, thinking he was a ghost. Now notice when they hit the waves, you know, what it says about them, the commentary of their lives is this. The words written over their lives are, they just kept rowing harder. They just kept rowing harder and harder and harder against the wind. And I wonder if that's not a picture of us sometimes, that when you feel the wind of circumstance blowing against you, you just hunker down, you just dig in, and you just keep, you know, harder and harder and rowing harder. I know I can be that way. But notice it doesn't say anything about they looked, they lifted their voice to heaven. They didn't say, say anything about they, they, they sought God there. They just kept rowing harder and harder. So it says, when they saw him walking on the water, they cried out in terror, thinking he was a ghost. Hmm. So do you think they, they, they're terrified? They're full of fear. 
And so a take-home point about our fears is this, is that when you're in the midst of, of uh, your world is, is, uh, is collapsing there and you're feeling terrified by your circumstances, it has a way of distorting reality. It has a way of distorting reality. And here's how I know that. Two chapters later, they were, they were just in, they just did this very thing with Jesus who got into the boat. The whole thing, you know, Peter jumping out into the water with Jesus. That's just, that just happened. They just were, this is like repeat 2.0. And now they see Jesus again, same, kind of the same story with a little twist, and they think he's a ghost. Could it be that sometimes your fears tend to amplify and distort, you know, uh, beyond reality? I mean, they, that was their reality, but it wasn't, but they weren't seeing Jesus for who he was there. Sometimes I think we don't recognize Jesus in our storms, even like this when he was on the way to rescue them. He's on the way to rescue them from their storm. And so Jesus shows up sometimes in our lives, and I think we don't even recognize him because we're so consumed by circumstances and, and fear and, and uh, just churning around us here. So in your notes there, in your notes, excuse me, verse 49. But when they saw him walking on the water, they cried out in terror, thinking it was a ghost. In your notes, fear causes us not to recognize sometimes, sometimes, God in the middle of our storm. You know, a general reading of this text here, and you can kind of theologically kind of cut it, you know, how you, you want there. But a general reading of this text shows me one thing. That I tell that that's insightful about God, and that is this: is that Jesus went into the storm and pursued them to be with His people. He pursued them to be with His people. See, to show them that He was greater than the storm. See, it shows me this: that Jesus would cross any barrier, any barrier, to meet with you. And the reality is this, that no matter how hard life gets, nothing can separate you from the love of God. In fact, the Bible puts it this way. It says in Romans chapter 8, it says, I'm convinced of this. I'm convinced that nothing can separate us from the love of God. I'm talking death can't separate us. Nothing in your life can separate us. He says, angels, demons, they can't separate you. And then he says this, neither are fears can separate us from the love of God. But isn't that what happens? Is that it seems like uh, fear creates a chasm between you and God. But Jesus crosses the barrier to get to them in the midst of the storm here. And so all that to say this, if you're a Christ follower, even though your life is full of storms, Jesus there is in the midst of the storm. Your life is also full of Jesus in the midst of the storm. And so somebody should tweet, tweet that, I think, you know, that, that was, and so you're in the midst of the storm, you're full of fear, but you need to recognize you're all, the storm in, in that midst is also full of Jesus. Verse 50, they were all terrified when they saw him. And Jesus spoke to them at once, don't be afraid. He said, take courage. I'm here. Literally, he's saying this. Here's the literal trans, from the original language. Don't be afraid. Take courage. I am. That's literally what he said. Don't be afraid. Take courage. I am. 
In other words, I am in the midst of the storm with you and you will not drown. What he's saying is, look, I am the one that stops the wind and the waves. I am here. I am with you. I am God. Like he's saying this, friends, the great I am has arrived and everything is okay when I'm in the boat. It's the same word he was using when he said, I am the bread of life. See, he's announcing that he's God. That's what he's doing. It's not just a, hey guys, you know, I'm here with, no, he's saying, I'm God and I've arrived in your boat, in your storm when you thought you're going under, but you're not because I'm here. I am the bread of life. Jesus said, I am the door. I am the way, the truth and the life. And he's saying, look, I am the great I am. And so Jesus says, look, I'm in your storm with you and you're not going to go down under. The point is this. The point is that, is that, we're never exempt from storms. The point is, is if you're a Christ follower, the great I am is with you in your storm. That's the point here. And so let me expand on that. See, when you're going through a really challenging season, I am is with you. Okay, when you're facing darkness, I am is with you. He's with you when the phone call comes. He's with you, you know, uh, at the death of a loved one. He's with you when you receive, you know, the news that you didn't want to receive. He's with you at the cemetery. He's with you in the chemo treatment. He is the I am who is always with you. He's with them in the wind and with the waves. Uh, our great shepherd, almighty God there, keep your, your eyes on the great I am. It's like this. Jesus was saying, look. I know the storm is real, and I know the storm is powerful, but I am. Get me, get my hope, get my love, get my grace, get my promise between you and the storm. You see, here's, here's what, I, what I've discovered from the passage that I never really, I really never got my mind around, and that is this, that I was designed by God, and you were designed by God. To only go through storms with God. You were not designed to go through a storm without God. You were created and designed. We talked about that Colossians chapter one. Okay. To, you were designed and made by God and for Jesus here. You were not made to go through storms without Jesus. And so the grace of God, you know, uh, it carries us through the, the trials of life, but we were designed only to go with him. So in your notes there, never let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. He is with you in the storm. Never uh, let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. You see, storms can never cause you to be hidden from the Almighty. Storms can never cause you not to be seen by him. He always sees us there. And so God's, pre you know, uh, we get so overwhelmed by our fears. But here, God's presence is greater than our fears. And I think, I think if Jesus could, could speak something to us, he would say, look, look, look. Just another way he would say it in your notes. Fear is going to fill your world. And that is inescapable. Fear is going to fill your world, but Jesus doesn't want it to fill your heart. 
He doesn't want it to fill and dominate and control and overwhelm your heart here. Fear is always going to be knocking on the door. You just don't have to, you know, invite it in and to welcome it to stay for an extended period. Verse 51, 51. And then he climbed into the boat and the wind stopped and they were totally amazed. So why were they amazed? They had just seen, remember, immediately they had just seen the feeding of the 5,000. That was amazing. Like, didn't they see that he was God? You know, like, why are they amazed? I really think they shouldn't have been amazed. Like, he, this is just God being God. But, but, but it's insightful, the next verse here is like, um, you know, Jesus is able to do a lot more than grab a bucket here, you know. And when he's ready, you know, he announces this, this is over here. And, uh, but watch. Uh, they were totally amazed. He's the great I am, but they didn't get it. They didn't get that he was a great I am. They didn't get the miracle that he, uh, that he was a bread of life. They, they couldn't connect the dots here. See, the disciples were amazed, and that was part of the problem. That was part of the problem, that they really didn't realize who Jesus was. They still hadn't figured it out here. Look at verse 52. They were amazed, and here's why. For they didn't understand the miracle about the loaves, and their hearts were hardened. Their hearts were hardened, and they didn't get it, and that's why they were amazed. And so their hearts were soft and tender, and they had a, a real grasp and revelation that the man this is Jesus is God here. See, here's the point. They saw the miracle, but they didn't get it. Watch. They experienced the miracle. They were handing out the bread. There was 12 baskets left for the 12 of them. They experienced the miracle there. Okay, they were the ones that handed out the bread to the people. They experienced the miracle, but they missed its significance. They missed its significance. They didn't understand who Jesus really was. And this is going somewhere. They failed to grasp that. You see, why did they miss Jesus? The Bible tells us their their hearts were hard. In other words, they were calloused. They were unresponsive. They were rock-like, hard hearts. And I've discovered in my own life that that can happen to me. And the dynamic of the Christian life is that I can get a hard heart, become calloused or rock-like on the inside, and then you miss the miracle of what Jesus is doing in your life. See, they'd seen it all. Why were they so amazed? They'd seen the demons cast out. They'd seen him calm a storm already two chapters earlier. They'd seen him raise the dead. They'd seen him feed the thousands. Why are they so amazed? You see, the disciples had always been around Jesus. Watch. They'd been around Jesus. Like people today in church world, they've been around church. They've been around Jesus. We hear his teaching. We see his kingdom work. Okay. Uh, but the same thing could be missing in us that was missing in them and that we miss who he is. We can miss that. And so there's a danger that they face that we face. And there's a, there's a way to always be around Jesus and not actually know Jesus. See, they, you can be around church and really not get to know Jesus himself there. And the danger is that you can know all about him, but not really know him. 
Again, the feeding of the 5,000 had just happened here. So here's what happened to them, and here's what happens to us. They understood on one level the loaves, right? They ate the food there. They understood on one level the crowds were fed. They understood on one level my belly is full. They, they registered that on that level. They fed the multitudes, okay, and they, they knew who he was here, uh, uh, that he was feeding them. But Jesus, the Son of God, on another level, all they really knew was this. They knew what he did. They understood, they just saw what he did in the feeding of the five thousands. And so the lesson was not, the life lesson was not, Jesus is a food factory. That's not the lesson. The lesson was not, that you went home with a, a full belly. That's not the lesson there. The lesson is not you'll never be hungry if you hang around Jesus there. See, they didn't understand the lesson. The lesson was he was the bread of life. He was God incarnate. They missed that there. The lessons of the lows was Jesus showing us, I am the bread of life. I must be broken. My life's going to be poured out for you, but I'm the bread of life. And so the disciples missed it, missed the miracle because their hearts were hardened. I wonder, I just wonder, they'd been around Jesus now, and he was pretty good, you know what I mean? He was like, he was pretty good in showing them what God was like, and they missed it. I wonder, I just wonder if potentially we also could miss it. I wonder if we could miss it. Let me, let me explain. I wonder if we could miss the miracle the miracle, if you're a Christ follower, the miracle of being right with God. That's a miracle. And you know, your heart just kind of gets sort of callous, you know? And just kind of go to church and do your routines and do your stuff and live your life and everything. And yet you experience this magnificent miracle that God has changed, changed your heart and made it become alive unto him. And then, but then you can just live your life, live your selfish life like you've lived your selfish life. You could just, it can be all about me all the time. It's about my life. Yes, you know, I'm so familiar with Jesus and I've been around and I understand that at one level. But what about the other level, the miracle in your own life? And you just can live, you know, your, your selfish life. But the difference is you got a cross around your neck. You know, you got a sticker on your car. But you're still being who you were. Okay, so, but you're, you're missing the miracle. I mean, what, what about, what about seeing really who he is there? Seeing who he is inside you here. That, that Jesus in the storm really, it changes us. The storms still sting and they still hurt, but it changes us. And so, and in the storm, you know, you can see that, ah, he's the great I am. And it doesn't take the loss away, and it, it, but but it does comfort, and it, and it can heal, and it can touch, and so all that to say this is that Jesus, when He takes you through a storm, wants you to see who He is, and not miss the miracle of who He is in your own life, that you would continue to live your life just as is. He has so much for us, such purpose and such uh, a calling. And, uh, and, and he saved us from, from, but he also saved us to 
a new life that would that would honor him and so that's the message here in the in the the story of the storm and so in just a moment i want to pray for us i want to close our time together and i want to give you a couple things to to think about there and so anyway um if you could bow your heads with me and uh let's pray father thank you for your your word and um lord i i pray that i pray that we would um in the midst of a storm of our lives and that we would look to you that we would look to jesus I pray that in the midst of our storms that, that we would listen to the Holy Spirit, what he would say to us. I pray in the midst of our storms that we would learn what he wants, what you want to teach us. I pray that you would soften our hearts if they're hard this morning. I pray that you would make everything new. I pray that we would be able to grasp the grandeur of you, the great I am, that you are greater than anything we will ever face and you are sufficient, that you are present with us in every storm and you deliver us from our fears. I pray you'd come now and speak to us again and again. In Jesus' name, amen.